Welcome. This is All the Fuck In, a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning. If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place. And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether. Hi, Rauda. How are you? Hello, Tristan. It's really good to be here with you. Um, For our listeners today, Lauren won't be joining us because she's doing some much-needed self-care. So I'll just be speaking with with Rauda, just the two of us. Um, And so for some background, Rauda and I met, um, I think it was like, early COVID, I'll say, (laughs) Um, at Rebby Kern's workshop um, on race, gender, and bias. And we were in a small breakout room, if I remember correctly, and um, our our faces crossed paths and Rauda reached out to me on Instagram and we started following one another and have really um, cultivated a friendship and also you know, a, a colleagueship as we both do similar work in the world um, and have been checking in and offering one another support and um, all the things across across the country, all by the internet. So um, when, we, when we got on the Zoom call today, I immediately reached across the computer screen to give Rauda a hug. So <laughs> that is how I feel about Rauda. Rauda, why don't you share your name, your pronouns, um, your social location, and as far as that goes, like anything that feels resonant to you in this moment, um, and then whatever astrology you'd like to share. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tristan. <laughs> I mean, before before I share before I share all that, uh, you know, thank you, thank you for that that moment in in race, you know, gender and bias where we cross faces, uh, and I'm just so thankful that that I found you in the ethernet yes. world <laughs> in the ethernet world uh for folks that are listening in my name's Rauda Rahman uh, my pronouns are she her and I am a cisgendered um, woman I am an immigrant uh first generation immigrant because my parents are still uh in Malaysia and Singapore 
I am not a citizen, but I do have permanent residency. So I'm a little halfway closer to the proximity of power. Mm. Um, I am educated. I am Southeast Asian. Um, and I do want to ex- share this with folks that are listening because as a Southeast Asian, a lot of times uh, we are kind of just muddled into like Asian. Uh, so it's a really interesting place that I'm exploring right now because it does feel a little bit, it feels very, it feels like a race that's very other and very invisible. So I'm like exploring that for, for myself too, in terms of my, in terms of my location when it comes to, um, to, to my ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my astrology sign, I am a sun in cancer. I'm a rising Virgo. Um, and I think my moon sign is Sagittarius, although I cannot confirm that right now. <laughs> <laughs> to be confirmed at a later to time. To be confirmed. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that, Rauda. Um, would you tell our listeners about the work you're currently doing in the world? <laughs> oh, wow. This is like, I'm still like, I'm always like struggling with like sharing the work I do with the world. Okay. So in a snapshot, and I'm sure you'll hear more about mm-hmm. it as, uh, you know, Tristan and myself um, chat, but my work in the world is to really get yoga teachers who are doing it themselves online Mm -hmm. to have a braver voice and a braver presence and to have that like one thought in their mind like oh can I step out of the studio the answer is fuck yes you can Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you just got to be brave enough uh, um, to to do it and I um, I help them you know the online world just has so much right this the, the world is vast Um, so if I take a look really at what I help them to do when they're ready to, you know, step out and have a brave voice, um, you know, is to help them build their website, help them, uh, create their offering, um, you know, kind of be, be that bridge to when they're ready to, you know, take ownership of their own work. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing that primarily through website design, but it sounds like you're also doing some like. I mean, you're doing some space holding and creative, like creative exploration and kind of consulting a little. And Mm -hmm. I know you do some social media support on some level. Rauda and I have been in several workshops together, um, both in terms of anti-oppression work and marketing on on the digital plane. So I, I know I know that she's dabbling and and she's got her fingers in lots of different areas. Yeah. So in other words, doing a lot. Okay. Yes, it's true. Okay. So, so prior to March, 2020, when, when our country and the United States went into quarantine protocols, you were a yoga teacher in a studio space in North Carolina. That's correct. Yes. Um, So I wasn't just a uh, teacher and I wanted like really lay the land here for for folks that are listening so I was teaching yoga and I really started uh, I was teaching yoga full-time you know when, when I was in Charlotte and I was also helping manage a studio uh, and I love that this conversation is taking that that trajectory and I do want to give people the background of like I work for a corporate yoga studio okay um, just so that later on you know when we chat then 
like I hope people can understand like my story and why like why why you know why I'm called to do what I'm doing yeah um, right now so you know I I'm help them with teacher trainings uh help grow the the we they called it um grow grow the market in Charlotte North Carolina because they only had two studios mm-hmm. um down here um and you know to be to be really honest I thought that was the only way mm. to make money teaching yoga um and the only way even more than that the only way to actually get health insurance mm-hmm. teaching yoga because that's very rare Yeah. Uh, in a teaching gig, unless you, you know, want to fork out $300 per month for your health insurance. Right. So I saw this position to be in management and to do the things I love, like teach yoga and lead trainings um, and still, you know, be able to take care of my health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the managers that, that I worked, that I worked with. So to me, it was like a no brainer that, that that I take that I take that step but you know you 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 know better and you do better right my well, so were you you were helping to manage the studio how many classes a week were you also teaching on top of that role um my regular schedule was eight okay eight classes and if I subbed mm-hmm. um then I would take up a little bit a little bit more that's a lot That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. On top of managing a studio uh, and, and doing teacher trainings. And re- leading trainings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot. And so when, when COVID hit, your whole world must have, I mean, the whole world shifted for everyone. Um, but you really felt that in a unique way. Like, for, I mean, I, the world shifted for me, certainly, but my day-to-day life didn't change that much. I was already working from home. I was already doing exactly what I do now. I just moved all my client meetings onto Zoom versus the ones I was having in person. But it sounds like for you, your whole landscape shifted. And, and tell me about that moment and what that was like for you. Uh, it's really, it's really interesting because I felt like at the moment when, when it was happening, like I was just like in survival mode, mm-hmm. right? There wasn't even like, I wasn't, I wasn't really sitting down and like strategizing and like thinking, you know, it was like, okay, this is happening. Okay. This is what we do next. It's almost like a day to day response. But now that I have the opportunity to look back mm-hmm. and see what happened, Um, you know, every day I was uh, prior to COVID, you know, I was teaching every day, you know, sometimes two classes a day. Uh, it was a heated yoga studio. So it was always sweaty. Um, and we, we were in teacher trainings uh, during that time. And it was my second time leading um, this round. So I was, I had, I like, I was just moving. I was moving and moving, uh, you know, all the time. And I still remember really clearly because I teach every Sunday um, a vinyasa yoga class. And then that night I receive a text saying that, hey, we might be closing for, for two weeks. And right after my class was a restorative yoga class. And I was like, I don't know whether I should be sharing this news with a teacher that's just about to teach a restorative yoga class. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could feel my body like, oh, wow, like this is happening. Because prior to that, you know, we were already doing all the hygiene stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we were cleaning the blocks. We were socially distancing right. people. Like we we're already doing that. So it was just like, it, 
it was kind of like a reality check, like, oh, this is happening. And to think that it was just going to be for, for two weeks, right? So the studio shut down. Um, and then the, 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 the higher management was, was trying to keep us engaged, you know? So we were on calls, we were, um, we did some trainings on Ayurveda and like management and all those kind of things. And then we received an emergency. We received an emergency call saying, okay, everyone get, get on the call. And we all got on a call and this person I've never met before um, just pretty much said, um, you, you, we have to let all of you go. Wow. Right, so like in that moment, I'm like, what? Like I was, I was angry, you know, I was angry. I was furious at like, why are the people closer to me in terms of like the, the leadership mm-hmm. um, were not the ones telling me? Why did I have to hear from someone, you know, who is so high up and I've, I've never met? Um, and there was it, like, it was just, I was just so confused. Um, so I just like sat down and called my partner and like talked to him, uh, you know, talked to him about it. But what was interesting, what was interesting was that a few months ago before, before COVID, before March had hit, uh, I was starting to like build my own website. Um, and I was starting to help, um, one, one of the yoga teachers here in Charlotte with like social media. And I was really tired, like managing the studio and working every weekend, uh, given like my workload was probably less than the actual, you know, managers, but it was still tiring. Like in, I would walk into the studio and then I'm like, is this, is this how it feels like to be working? Like this shouldn't be like, I didn't have this in mind when I was trying to teach yoga. Right. Um, so Interestingly, I already had the inkling of like, okay, if we step away from this, what what is our plan? Yeah. Right. So when COVID happened, it's almost like the universe, you know, I, I have a lot of privilege. Right? I have a partner that could help financially support me. So I had the privilege of 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 discovering what that is for me when the world was turned upside down. Yeah. Right. So I also want to name that to everyone that's listening. Um, so I took that opportunity and pretty much just flipped and we're like, okay, I know, like, I, I am good with tech. I've built this website. I have helped, um, you know, my, my favorite clients. I know we're not supposed to have many favorite clients, but, uh, <laughs> but we do. <laughs> uh, so I helped, um, and it just kind of blossomed. Uh, from there, every day was every day was just a reaction to what was happening, and then people needed help getting online. Um, so you know, I was trying out all the different platforms, trying like figure it out, and then share that information with people. Started a Facebook group, um, and it just kind of grew uh, from there. And my work, uh, and honestly, I'm just so thankful mm. that yoga teachers, um, primarily in Charlotte, had, had trusted like trusted me, this person who just pivoted, right? Trusted me to kind of share my information and allowed for myself as an entrepreneur to like, to grow. You know, I've, I've been in this realm of web design and graphic design and social media, you know, 
not for a long time, right? So for folks to say, okay, we're gonna link arms with you, like let's let's co-create together, uh, and me still learning and making mistakes. Like I'm just so appreciative that the world that I have entered into and immersed in right now are people who, you know, are people who people who love me, uh, people who you know put self care first and rest first. Um, people who are not waiting for like perfection. Um, and I could see myself when I was transitioning, right? From this corporate yoga world where like, okay, let's hit this benchmark. Let's make this much money. Let's make this goal into this sort of like, let's, let's just do our best, but trust in the process. And in and one could, another. And in one another, Yeah, you know, and, and look out for one another. That was and I could feel my internal oppression too, like just like being in friction with that liberation, right? Um, and that that like and, and I think I feel like I'm still working through uh, what how that looks like for me. Uh, you know what? How does it look like in practice in, in my day to day too? So that 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 is how <laughs> I am moving. That I moved through that world. I've just so blown away. And I said this to Rauda before we started recording that, that she saw a need and then started, you started speaking to it and, and addressing it. And, and you started doing it, not just in like, here's the nitty gritty practical stuff of like how to pivot and put your classes online, but you were also speaking to, and increasingly so it seems like social justice in the process as well. Were you prior to March, like in your work with the, with the corporate studio, were you talking about oppression and anti-oppression? Were you talking about the whiteness and, and, you know, white supremacy and, and racism and how that was showing up? I'm, I mean, I'm guessing, and I'm assuming that as a, as a woman who is a first generation um, immigrant, uh, that you yourself have, have firsthand knowledge of um, the way that white supremacy is operating and, and the way racism is operating in these spaces. Um, can you tell me a bit about your own like social justice yeah. process? Yeah. I love, I love this question um, because prior to you know march and like covid and this trajectory that that i've that i've moved into and i had never spoke up mm. about um about racism and and white supremacy right um like i i knew it like i but i had never named it mm -hmm. you know i never brought it up uh into uh into light but i would always uh feel i come from a rather political family back home in Malaysia. Um, and I saw my dad, you know, like in the, in the political scene and, um, and we had a transfer of power um, and you know how he was willing to, to fight against, um, ag against like, against, against this ruling party that was pretty much ruling the country for, for, for 60 years, right? Um, so, like I had an inkling of like what justice would would look like, and when I came to when I came to America, even though I had I didn't name any of those things, like I had this like experience, you know, I had this experience of like, oh, how come 
you know, white people always get this. Like, how come it's so hard for me? Uh, like, just like that experience that I never, I never like named it. And, and it's like, I just don't know, you know, I just didn't know what, what I didn't know back then. Right. And then I, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't willing to learn. I want to be really like open to people that, that this is new to me too, you know? So once I started learning and I want to share this story because on Instagram, um, Michelle, uh, you know, Michelle Johnson's healing and retreat post came up on my feed. And I was like, okay, this, this, this is like what I need. I want to do this, you know, um, because I believe she had mentioned uh, in, in her words were um, you to, to heal from racial trauma. Right. And at that time I'm like, yeah, I think this is what I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going through. So I reached out and the question I had asked, because I think all, all of it was filled up, like the spots were filled up and she was giving out scholarships. So I emailed Michelle and I said, Michelle, um, I would like to join your, your healing, you know, your healing retreat for people of color, but, uh, but I'm Asian. Do I count? I will never forget that email. And then Michelle replied, you know, with you probably have experienced racial trauma. And now I'm talking about it. Like I can feel like my eyes swell up. Like I didn't know. Yeah. I just simply didn't know when I sat in that room with, you know, you know, BIPOC people back to the room like I began to like process it and it was just like a flood of information you know I'm like if this is happening to me and I'm feeling this way and this is my path for me to liberate myself away from oppression like I need to be like I need to share this with people like this system needs to be broken down because then and then I met, you know, a lot of good friends from from that retreat that I that I continued to be in contact with. So, like to to kind of conclude the whole story is that I, I have not been naming, you know, racism and white supremacy prior to to COVID, um, and then COVID kind of like lifted that that veil, and and then I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't not continue that work. You know, I couldn't just post a black square hmm. and then not continue the work, you know, because it's just so important for someone to understand, even if you are white, like, like you, you experience oppression and until you know how that feels, until you know how your oppression feels like that lived experience, there. Like it's it's just hard. Like you you can connect with people better, and you understand that your liberation is like tied to you know to to others, right? And that's why I feel like even when I'm doing this work of website design and social you know social media and teacher training, like it's like infused in everything I do, because once you understand that you can show up how you are, you know, then then you can really truly like speak. As, as yourself. Because if you're constantly worried about whiteness is like how 
you can fit in this box, this limited box of whiteness, then then we're just perpetuating, right, the harm towards ourselves and perpetuating this, you know, this 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 character. Mm-hmm. And that's not good for anyone. Mm. I'm so I'm removing my glasses to wipe away my tears. No joke. <laughs> Thank you, Rauda, for sharing all of that. It's really like it's moving to hear about your journey of understanding your own identity and the way you yourself have lived with systemic oppression, how you've been impacted by it, how you've seen it and witnessed it, but weren't able to even identify that that was happening because it's so normalized in our culture. How old were you when you came to this country? Uh, I was 16. Okay. So I moved alone. My family is still back home. Um, and I moved for, for college. And I was so lucky that when I moved, um, I came with other Malaysians. Uh-huh. So I had, you know, people that, that spoke the same language, people that ate the same food as me, you know, we eat with our hands. Like I had like, like I have my Malaysian folks, you know, to like hang out with and to, to, to share stories with, you know, like after a class. Um, so I really didn't fully immerse in like the 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 American or the, the white the white culture, right? And I was also in California. Um, so and it was really in like I only started experiencing the, the impacts of um, of the westernized culture and the American culture um, when I when I started grad school and when I started work and really the most when I moved to North Carolina. Huh. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of amazing things, amazing things happening in Charlotte, but I think it's, and honestly, moving to Charlotte was probably the best thing that happened for me, even though I had experienced so much when I came, because when I first came, I'm like, where, where, where are all the Asians, right? <laughs> you know, and then every time I would go to a firm event, so only when I would, only when I moved to North Carolina is when I started investigating, right? When, you know, like I say, it was like after COVID, this is when like I started investigating and I realized how many social justice leaders mm. and, and, you know, organizations and movements that, that are happening and stemming out of like Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's made me feel more at home yeah, uh, than, than anything else. But it's been... It's been, it's, it's been a really rough, <laughs> it's been a really uh, rough journey, especially like the immigration process and, and, and all of that. Yeah, I, I honestly can't imagine. Um, it's not something, you know, I, I know that there are people telling that story and I'm also recognizing this conversation that I haven't, I haven't listened or I haven't sought out listening to those stories. And so I'm not, while I'm familiar with the immigrant um, narrative, the like abstract narrative, like the hardship and the adjustment and the transition, I'm, I'm, I'm not in direct relationship with many folks who are, have actually immigrated and who are talking about it, you know? And I think one of the things that I witnessed growing up, because I grew up in a pretty diverse area in Los Angeles in California, and there was a lot of like, don't talk about it. Um, not just in, in my world with, with my friends who were predominantly white, but also from the folks of color who had immigrated, 
I didn't hear them talking about it, likely because they wanted to quote fit in, right? Um, and so that part of their story was not amplified. Um, so I'm just pausing for a moment to like feel what it's like to hear you amplify that part of your story, you know? Thank um, you for letting me share. Oh, I'm so glad you are. Um, because I, I haven't really told mm. like my story because I don't, I can't speak for all immigrants, but uh, as someone who was 16 and then moved to college and then, you know, went through the re recession and then had to go to grad school and continued to work. And every year was like a visa process. Like you don't really have the time to like pause and like ponder, you know, it's always like in, in survival mode. And then when someone does ask the question, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you, you really, you, you really like my, I myself, as I'm sharing the story, I'm starting to understand like, oh, there, there was really a lot that was, that, that was happening. What were you studying in college and in grad school? I was studying genetics. Genetics! <laughs> <laughs> and now she's a yoga teacher and an entrepreneur. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me, like you went into science, hardcore science. Like why did you choose science and, and how did you navigate away from being a scientist? I love it. I mean, not to say that you're not still a scientist. You are probably still a scientist. I'm not going to steal that from you, but <laughs> but tell me about that story. Oh, so I was, uh, you know, in, in, in Malaysia first and growing up in a very conservative um, Muslim Asian family. Um, I, and I was the first child, so high hopes, right? And when I was going to college, I, I really wanted, I knew, I knew I was like in my essence so creative, right? So I, I wanted to do fashion design. And my parents um, were just, nope, that's not gonna happen. Uh, you have these options. You can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, uh, you can go into science, you can become an engineer. These are your options. You won't make money doing fashion design. Okay, got it. Um, so, and I was really good at biology. So I was like, let's just, um, let's just go into, into this biology thing. And my dad, and that time biotech was trending. Uh, so my dad was like, okay, you know, biotech is, is booming, um, you know, and you could, uh, if, if you want to go to California for this, like we can explore that. And, and we explored it. And I did what you call a twinning program. I'm not sure if like there's the, that exists in, um, in in the U.S., but it's kind of like an extended study abroad program. Okay. So you do like your first two years, and there's different ways to do it. But what I did was I did my first two years in Malaysia, and I did my other two years of my uh, bachelor's in uh, in Cal Poly Pomona, oh, okay, in California. Yeah. So then, um, so really, that's how I got into genetics. Uh, and I also kind of like secretly saw it. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening to this. Uh, and like, I secretly was like, oh, I get to go to like LA. Yes. <laughs> Science, schmience, but California and Los yeah, Angeles and fashion. 
I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. And uh, so that's how I ended up in um, Cal Poly Pomona. And honestly, I didn't even know there were like other colleges. That was the only one I applied to. And I flew to California with my other Malaysian friends uh, and just started studying genetics. And then I started going into, uh, and I knew because they like sit you down. They're like, oh, when you're finished and like you need to get a visa, you need to do this, then you need to get a job. So I knew right away that like I needed to get good grades in order to get a job so I can get a visa, that kind of stuff. Um, and in the sciences, it was easier mm-hmm. to do that, to stay. Right. Uh, I was like, two years is not enough. I need to stay in LA a little bit longer. Um, so then, so then I pursued, like, I pursued genetics. And to be honest, like, I, I, I enjoy, like, I, I enjoy the sciences. Like, I enjoy the research. Um, so then I did that, and then I graduated '08, mm-hmm. which was the recession. Right. Uh, no one's gonna pay for your visa, you know. Uh, so I then. Um, so then I stayed for grad school and continued uh, into uh, into deeper research genetics work. And then thankfully, thankfully, I did that because that gave me a little bit more opportunity to get like, um, you know, work like I got to work in a startup and it was just amazing. Like I had the most amazing experience living in uh, living in California. And then we moved. And then my uh, and then my visa got mishandled by my attorney. Oh God. Uh, so it couldn't be renewed. And me and my partner at this time were, were dating for, for a long time um, already. So then we decided to, okay, let's just get, let's just get married. Uh, we had wanted to do it the next year, but we just had to like speed it up and do it that year. Um, and that brought me to, um, towards Durham, North Carolina, where then I moved from like lab work genetics into like clinical research work um and that's when when I did clinical research work I don't know why I didn't do it earlier but when I started doing clinical research work our study was on uh, the impacts of you know uh, therapy on people with uh, PTSD Hmm. so I did a lot lot of breath work stuff and things like that it wasn't until I went to Durham North Carolina that I started taking my 200 hour and I was immersed in like science and breath all coming together Um, and that's when I knew like why are these two worlds not like talking to one another (laughs) right so I started bringing what I learned in the lab into my yoga classes I started bringing what I learned in my yoga classes uh, and to have that like bedside interaction with 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 the patients that are that are coming in Um, so I've always seen like my science and my yoga kind of like come together um, and even now, as I, as I move into becoming like a full-time yoga teacher and I move into then pivoting again, right, uh, into this world, like all, all that effort, all that like learning from all the previous lives, you know, I feel like it, it all, I think, brought me, it all brought me here. I think the Gita says like, you know, no effort is wasted. Yeah. Right. And I, I really hold on to that. I actually have like a photo of it on my on my wall saying no effort goes to waste because this yeah. is I've, I've changed yeah yeah how when did you decide to I'm assuming there was a point where you were like thank you science that was lovely now I'm going to teach yoga and 
help manage a yoga studio? Like what, what was that transition like? Um, I didn't really like sit down and like think, you know, and, and went, and went, okay, this is like, we, we need to like part ways. I think the, the, the biggest, what happened was that we, I moved from Durham to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a, a natural, okay, this, like I finished my 200 hour, uh, we're leaving Durham, we're moving to Charlotte and Charlotte didn't really have as big of a research uh, feel. Um, so I thought, okay, let's just, let's just test out this, uh, the, let's just test out teaching yoga full-time, see how that, how, that, how that pans out to me. And that's honestly what, wow. what happened. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of went with it. Amazing. It's, it, can I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 32. 32, and you've had like five lives. <laughs> I know. Rauda, I want to ask you a, an intimate question. Um, you must miss your family. Like, when was the last time? And if you don't want to talk about this, I will totally, like, you can say no and we can move on. But I would like, when was the last time you saw them? What is that like? Thank you for asking. Um, if I cry, that might happen. Yeah. Um, Me too. I last. <laughs> I both two cancer now. sons here having a, a conversation right? about emotional stuff. Yeah. We're bound to get to get a little watery. Yeah. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. The last time, if I, I mean, the I had to think about it. So it's been a while. Um, this is 2020. So the last time I uh, saw my parent, my family was 2018. Okay. 2018. And 2018, I actually went back home because I got a, I got a call from my, from my mom saying that um, my dad was unconscious at 10 PM at night. And that, and on that day, I remember really vividly on that day, I had a wonder, like my day went off with that, like a glitch, like it was, everything was beautiful. And I sat down at 10 PM and I got that text from my, from my mom. The next day I was like, I need, and I think there was a hurricane coming into North Carolina. Um, so that was, that was one of the reasons uh, why I went back home. And that was probably the, when I was back at home, we found out that my dad had a um, uh, brain aneurysm, you know, flight from Charlotte to, to Malaysia is, is a long time. I had to like, make sure I don't, I'm not in the hurricane. So I went to New York, sat in the New York airport for a long time before I could fly back home. So here I am on the plane for what feels like 30 hours, Ever. probably yeah. is, not knowing like, like in my head, I was just going, I can't believe like, this is why, like, why didn't I go back earlier? Like I was like blaming and blaming, blaming myself. Like this, like, this is too much. I can't be this far all the time. Um, then that really was when I told, like, I like made a little promise to like the essence of myself that like, I need to have a career. I need to have a life where I and visit my family more than once in two years yeah. you know like I can go back anytime without worrying about two weeks paid leave and, and things like that 
And thankfully, thankfully, my dad recovered. Uh, It was a whirlwind uh, of a journey going there. My dad recovered. He is he is healthy. He now thinks it's like Superman because it's like recovered from a brain aneurysm. Uh, But it was yeah, that was the last time um, I was at home and I was supposed to host a Malaysia retreat actually last um, I was supposed to host a Malaysia retreat last year in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons to like go back home. Um, and I was going to donate the proceeds to an aneurysm foundation uh, in honor, in honor of that. But that that didn't happen. But it'll happen again. Uh, yeah. You know, I hope um, so. Hopefully, I have plans to go back after the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's We're all vaccinated. That's yeah. Wow. Do you currently have community of fellow Malaysian or Southeast Asian friends, family, Mm. anyone in your area? No, I don't. I don't. Um, In not not in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, um, back in LA when I was still in college and going through work, we had a Malaysian community. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time during Eid and Ramadan, we would like go back, uh, we would be, be with them, but not not here in Charlotte. Uh, but whenever someone, because my passport is Singaporean, um, my mom is Singaporean, but whenever I hear someone, you know, like, oh, I'm Singaporean, or like, I moved from Singapore, or like, oh, I'm Malaysian. <laughs> Like I'll be like this little puppy that goes like, yes, I want to be your friend. <laughs> oh, you must like have that hunger, you know? Yeah, I do. Because someone was asking me this question, like, what does, like, what does it mean, like, to, to be with that culture, right? Like, what what is Malay culture mm-hmm. uh, to me? Meant someone had asked me that. And I want to share it with, with people that are listening. And to me, it's, it's the language and the food, right? Uh, it's the non-explaining that yeah. I have to do in my way of being, right? Uh, and that's what I, I don't get here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. But thankfully, my partner is, um, knows now when I'm like homesick and when like Eid is coming, um, that will will the closest the closest I will get is like I'll go to a Malaysian restaurant. That's one in Charlotte. <laughs> uh, and if I if I miss like Singaporean food, like then I'll go to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and they have like really good uh, Malaysian food. So that's as close as I can get. And I you know I talk to my parents um, over what used to be Skype, but now is Zoom. Now is Zoom. <laughs> and everything FaceTime. is Zoom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and your siblings. You oh have gosh, siblings? I'm, I'm the eldest out of six. Six? Oh my <laughs> God. Where are they? There's plenty of us. Plenty. Uh, my sister, um, most of them are in Malaysia, except for me and my sister. Uh, okay. So my sister is in Australia, actually. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to bring us back to entrepreneurship, but first I just want to thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, because it's it's tender, vulnerable stuff, um, and I just appreciate your willingness. And I feel very much in this moment that, like, 
I mean, I often feel as Lauren and I are diving into this podcast together that we're like sitting down and chatting with friends and like that conversation just like is like a friendly conversation. I feel that uniquely with you that like I can forget that we're recording from time to time and because I just feel like we're still you and I are still getting to know one another like we have worked on projects together we have been in workshops together we you know have been in trainings together you've attended now something that I've taught you know um and we there's still so much that we haven't ever talked about and yeah Um, um So it seems to me now going back to entrepreneurship, um, like you've, uh, it's, you have had an incredible amount of success. This is my outside perspective um, because you've, you've launched a whole new business in, in nine months, in eight months, whatever it's been, um, which to me is successful. Um, Like the fact that you've done it and you have clients and you have work um, and you know, and you're teaching now too on all kinds of different topics. Um, And it also sounds like you've hit some bumps along the way as we do when we start something new um, and create something from scratch that didn't exist prior to our creating it. Um, Can you share a little bit about what those bumps have looked like? Like I know at one point on social media, you were pretty candid about like something relating to pricing and, and, feeling like you had lost money on projects because you didn't, you didn't know how to price things. Like, can you share a bit about what that process has been like for you since, you know, I ask since because this podcast is targeted towards people who are also entrepreneurs in whatever way that looks. And so I I feel like that's an important question to ask and one that a lot of folks would like to hear. Yeah. I feel like, so, I mean, when you ask, you know, talk about the bombs, I'm like, which one? (laughs) <laughs> right there's so many but uh thank thankfully you know you you led you led us into 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 pricing and that's one of the things like I I shared because I think for people that are listening on my assumption is that they're interested in entrepreneurship and they're also interested in entrepreneurship with the lines and with 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 social justice involved right and that's not being done yeah so not only are not only am I in in this moment and well I'm still learning right now trying to create a business but at the same time I was also trying to create a business without any like guidance in social justice right I would like look uh, at like okay this is what you know Michelle uh, Johnson is doing I'm saying Michelle's name a lot because I'm like we Excuse all me. do on Huge this fan. on Huge this fan. show. Yeah. Every uh, episode where her name has to be dropped. <laughs> uh, so I would watch. Uh, like how 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 do they do it? Right. Um, and then time to time I came back into into like this this like element of trust. And it's Keisha. I want to really, you know, shout out to Keisha who was my first, my first ever client. And Keisha was the one who, you know really connected me is the glue that connected me to all the other people that, that I'm working with. And I would sit down on this call with Keisha and Keisha just had this element of like, I'm just going to trust. This is what I do. This is my Dharma. I'm going to price it this way. And I'm just going to trust what's going to happen. Hmm. You know, she would have teacher training programs and she may like still have payment plans but she wouldn't be like sign this agreement and make sure you pay like 
this amount of money every single time. Like there was this, this element of like trust. So I think working with Keisha like had really helped me, you know, ground myself in like places where it's like uncertain. So in this moments where I'm uncertain, like I just ask myself like, what what is the next best course of action? Mm-hmm. And then I just do it and then hope for, like hope for the best. And if it didn't work, then I, I, I would go back. I've made so many mistakes, Tristan, like when it comes to, to pricing, because sometimes like, I don't know, am I pricing too high? Am I pricing too low? And I think I'm still battling um, with that, especially wanting the work to be accessible, mm-hmm. but at the same time, honoring the time and the, and the skills and the courses that, that I've taken uh, to make this work professional. Yeah. Right. So that's always going to be that, like that, that discovery and that learning process uh, with me. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of like another, some of the bums, one of the biggest bums, I think that's worth mentioning here when it comes to entrepreneurship and social justice, especially when I made that change, right. When I, when I decided, okay, social justice has to be my work, like, like no questions asked, right? Uh, so when I decided on like the aspect of what I want to do, I had clients that just decided they wanted to stop paying. I had a digital incubator program where I would help yoga teachers build their business online um, and client just stop, stopping. They're like, oh, your work is too political. I don't want to be involved. Of oh. course, it's easy for you. Uh, and of course it's easy for you because you're Asian. Oh, you know, so I got racially gaslighted. Um, you know, there, there was, there was just so, it was, it was an eye, it was an eye opening experience for me to understand that like, yes, I can, I, I can create this work and like invite people into it, but if people are not willing to step into like the mud with me, like I, I can't do that for you, mm-hmm. right? And it was really hard for me because I'm like, I like to help people. So when, you know, starting a new business and then a client just decides to not pay you and then tell you all the things, you're just so confused and but because you're an entrepreneur, like you just, you have all these other people that are like waiting for you, not, not waiting for you per se, but like they're in the program, right? So the work has to continue. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, okay, put this in a box, in a shelf somewhere, and then like continue onwards, right? So I really want to share that because if you are, I, if people are trying to bring in entrepreneurship and social justice, especially if you're trying to like, um, get people started, right? This is something that you might experience. Yeah, you know, and and that's okay. Like that that's like a lot of like that's like that brought that brought a lot of a lot of learning lessons. Yeah, because uh, part of what me. I hear you saying is um, who we are and the work that we offer isn't going to be for everyone, um, and especially when it comes to. Um, aligning with social justice values and having those conversations in the work that we're doing, we're going to turn people off, you know? Um, Not everyone wants to be 
challenged um, in that way. Not everyone wants to acknowledge that racism still exists. Um, mm -hmm. I laugh because it's ridiculous to me. And yeah. I also know that it's very real. Um, and uh, yeah. And knowing too that if people aren't interested in what we have to offer, if we turn them off, if what we're saying, you know, rubs them the wrong way, um, how to hear that without absorbing it, taking it on and questioning or self-doubting, right? Um, so that you can keep showing up for the relationships that are there, that, that, that the clients who do want what you offer. And so you can keep showing up for yourself and stay committed, yeah. And I think that's where the yoga practice really comes in handy for yeah. like a better expression, right? Uh, and I share this all the time, I say, you know, yoga teachers, like, we, we have the tools, you know, the tools of yoga, the eight limbs of yoga, it's not asana, it's not just, yoga. if you only rely on asana as a tool, like, it's going to be really hard for me to deal with, you know, these, these conversations and people saying no mm -hmm. um, to, to my work and what I stand for, right, because I always feel this need to, like, please those people. But when I bring in the other tools, bring in the other limbs of yoga, I almost get a, a, a multi-dimension way of like, okay, you, you might not be ready yet, right? I, that's this almost this feeling of like, okay, that's okay. You, you still have some work to do. That's fine, you know? Um, but, I, but I've planted the seed. You might put the seed aside for now. You might not water it. But, but like, this is like, again, the trust comes back. Like, hopefully you'll, you'll water it. And, and when you're ready, then let's, let's, let's move together. Yeah. Tell me, you mentioned the digital incubator program, and it sounds like that was something that you started in March-ish. Is that true? Tell, it, tell yeah. us what the program looks like. Yeah. So uh, what the program looks like now, as I call it, version 2.0 uh -huh. is, different yeah. than version uh, 1.0. 1, 1. So I'll share the version 2.0. Is that okay? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for, I've noticed um, that the primary program is to help yoga teachers build their businesses online, right? That's like the, the mission, what we, what we want people, what we want yoga teachers to do. And in doing so, you wear a lot of hats, right? You wear the marketing hat, you wear the tech hat, you wear all the hats. And what I noticed yoga teachers really struggling with is like the technology part of it, right? It's like, like we get really flustered when it comes to technology. So digital, digital incubator, what it is now is if a yoga teacher is starting, starting online, you most likely would need a website. Yeah, you most likely will need these tools. So what we offer is that I, what we offer is that here are, I, I'll build you a semi-custom website because that takes like, you know, three, two months, three months, right? To build your branding and all that. And in the process, when we're building a website, we'll, we'll chat, like we'll, we'll connect and we'll consult on like, what, what is your business? Like, what do you want to stand up for? Right, because there's so many things that happen when you're trying to grow your business. Like when I try to grow my business, like that I had so many questions, and I think that's that that's what makes it different. It's like you you will walk out having an online platform, 
you know, the physical, tangible platform. And then while during our time together, you also have like the tools now of actually how to, how to create that and how to make that happen. So there's, there's branding conversations, there's um, mission conversations, um, and, and I imagine marketing, like the whole, mm-hmm. the whole picture of, of establishing a successful presence for teaching yoga online. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. also like redefining like success too, right? Um, and, and figuring out new ways, new ways of like doing uh, their business. You know, so sometimes I feel like it, yes, we can go on YouTube and like find all this like marketing tips and techniques, but that might not be how you want to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, So then just thinking creatively, like how that's going to look like uh, in your business, because the way you run your business is going to be very different than like Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, your next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. And also I, part of what I'm guessing you're, you talk about too is, um, how to not lean into burnout culture while growing work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you, I personally, and I, I've alluded to this in pre- previous conversations with Lauren on the show. Um, I feel like I, and I'm, I'm getting more clear about what's been going on. I've been using work um, in COVID as like a distraction um, and also as a substitute for the things that nourished me pre COVID. Like, I've worked on a Friday night on my laptop on the couch, whereas like normally pre-COVID, I would have gone out to dinner with friends. You know what I mean? Um, So I'm wondering if you yourself have struggled with like the grind culture and and having a work-life balance and like creating sustainable structures around your work. Yeah, I was. Uh, and this is where, when I alluded to like the internal oppression that like I'm constantly having friction with, right? Um, so it, like when you mentioned, like I would sit on the couch and like work work on the laptop, like I've I've struggled like, you know, with that too. And, you know, and, and to be honest, like probably still struggling, especially, you know, when my partner is working and then I'm yeah. just like walking around the house. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, maybe I can like plan this post. So like write right. this email, right? So. I feel like I'm still working through that, but um, but because I now am aware, you know, I'm aware of, of that struggle, like that grind, that grind culture, I really try, I really try to like have, have, you know, add movement practices into, uh, in, into, into my day. Uh, I, I have, I now know that I actually need a pretty like intense, uh, movement practice, movement practice, uh, not yoga. I like my yoga to be like chill on the floor situation. Uh, but I, (laughs) but I have like a Peloton now. Uh, so that really helps me. That really helps me like get all the like extra energy out. And I feel like so set for my day. And I also want to shout out Akivir Rahim for pretty much helping me through COVID. (laughs) Uh, because she doesn't know this, except for the times when I repost, but, uh, when I feel like just overwhelmed and I don't know where I could go and I would try on everything, you know, I try movement practices. I, I meditate every day. I would just like open it up. Like I'll just close my eyes, open it up and like read something that Octavia has wisely shared, um, and journal on the prompts. Mm. And that 
allows me a little bit of like, okay, you're okay, mm-hmm. you're fine. Um, you just need to process. I, I now understand that I have a really deep need to not ignore hmm. what's going on in my body. Um, because like, I'm just, I'm conditioned to survive. Uh, We're conditioned to, to be disembodied. Yeah. I was just yeah. listening to Michelle talk about this on, on her latest episode of her podcast about the disembodied culture that we live in. And, um, and now the soon to be ex-president um, being kind of an epitome of that disembodiment, you know, um, and how much mm. we can't they were talking about, this was uh, for reference, Michelle's interview with Victoria Santos on the Finding Refuge podcast, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but they were talking about um, how when one is disembodied, as our culture teaches us to be, we can't connect to our own humanity or see the humanity in others. And that's part of what we're witnessing when people are put in cages. Um, it's, a, it's a symptom of a disembodiment you know, disease. Um, which is so common and we're not taught to talk about it or recognize it. Um, It just makes me think of when you mentioned that, it just makes me think of disembodiment being feeling separate from yourself. And because you are untethered from yourself, you sequentially then become separate from other people. Yeah. Right. Like, so, yeah. And we, we can't do that. No, we can't. No, we can't. I want to be sensitive to our time. So as we wrap up, I would love to hear, you've got some stuff planned for 2021 so far, it sounds like. I'm sure more will come. Um, And I know that this podcast won't come out in time for folks to register if they're interested in the program that you and Grace are offering together. But I'd love to hear like what that is, what that offering is, and if there's anything else you've got coming up in 2021 that you want to share, I would love to hear. Thank you for allowing uh, me to share for that. So what uh, Tristan was just um, sharing, you know, was uh, me and Grace, both of us are Charlotte yoga teachers, and Grace has her uh, own teacher training program. And we got together through Amplify and Activate, and we, we, we realized that when we first became yoga teachers, like we had no business tools. And even if we found business tools, because both of us kind of tried to find, you know, business tips and strategies. And we were learning that from like cisgendered um, white people. Yeah. You know, the marketing world is it's filled with white, you know, white, white, white cis males, people. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then when you, when you try to find yoga business teachers, they're all cisgendered, white White people people, predominantly women yeah (laughs) right so um so then so then we then when we started talking and build this relationship we're just like okay let's let's create a business strategies uh workshop for yoga teachers um and where we pretty much you know use the tools that we know but we just deconstructed a little bit we deconstructed and we try to like challenge that right we can still build an a, a successful business we can still build a profitable business uh and not sacrifice the values uh, and the liberation of our community Mm. right and no one so then so then when we were thinking about this 
you know, we thought about like the structure. So I'm just really excited uh, to be working with Grace on this because the way we're structuring it is like we have co-working sessions and we also have like live sessions. Mm -hmm. And because we're both yoga teachers, Grace was actually previously in like in neuroscience. So both of us have that in common, <laughs> being in the science. Um, so the way we structured it was kind of like very similar to um, to like if you were taking a, a biology class, right? So you would have a class, you would learn the theory of it, and then you the co-working sessions, like you put it into practice. So you would walk out of the business strategies uh, workshop for yoga teachers already having like a, like like a plan on how to market your your workshop, you know, like a mission for your business. Like it's not like it's not just giving you the tips and then you work on your own time, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of like that, that Community co-creation. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's when the magic happens. Um, and I, I actually wrote it on my, on my paper up here. I taped it because I want to remind myself uh, of it. And on the timeline, one of the biggest things that I'm super excited about in 2021 is I am making website templates. Ooh. So I am so stoked. <laughs> only only we would get excited about this. Oh, website templates? Tell me more. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I love that you're excited as I am. Um, so I was I've, after working with a lot of like one-on-one -on -one clients and working on building websites, you know, you begin to notice like a pattern of like what people need, right? But there really isn't any, like, let me choose this Squarespace website template and it will fit all of my needs, right? There really isn't anything like that. Um, and, or if you're on WordPress, then you would have like, have this plugin and this plugin and this plugin. So I just really wanted to, for, I just really wanted to offer like the templates for for folks who maybe um, who maybe just just need that easier way and and a, and a cheaper way, mm -hmm. right? Uh, with, their with website the tools up. to get their website up and running. Um, and because I I am a yoga teacher, like I I know what yoga teachers need, uh, and I've worked with yoga teachers, so I'm really excited to like put up this like web templates. I think I'm going to start Amazing. with like, I have a plan of starting with three Amazing. Uh, and I'll give them uh, the branding of it, like Instagram templates, like all the jazz. Cause I like, I love doing those things. So I'm like, I'm just going to share it with you. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait to see that become available from my own like nerdy perspective. And also because I know that it will be of support to many. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. Good for I'm so you. excited. Rauda, thank you so much for joining. Um, this was a really lovely, rich conversation. Is there anything you want to share before we wrap up that you didn't get to? It was a treat. It was a treat. It was a treat to chatting with you and to like to get to know you more. Likewise. Um, and thank you for asking, um, you know, the, the, deep, the deep questions. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate you for that. And Lauren, if you're listening, uh, I hope you feel better. Um, and I miss you. I hope that I'll get to know you at some point. I'm sure you will. We don't, we're all three in such similar um, internet, social justice, anti-oppression circles, um, disrupting the systems. Um, yeah, thank you, Rada, for coming 
And uh, I'll include some of the things that we shared today in the show notes um, so listeners can check out Octavia Rahim's book and all the other things you mentioned. Thank you. Thank you. Death, 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 death